Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, this is Reppin, as in representation. We're going to be asking, what do you represent? What do you stand for? It's the literal definition of representation, but it's also going to include a broader conversation about the values, dreams my guests believe in and fight for, obstacles they've faced, and a place to pay those lessons forward. We caught up with actress Michelle Celine Ong from Netflix's huge hit, 13 Reasons Why, and CBS's Elementary at a New York City coffee shop. Here's what she had to say. I know you're from San Francisco and you've lived in New York. Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in San Francisco, what your influences might have been, or maybe what wasn't available to you. I feel very fortunate to have my childhood be in San Francisco and then New York. These are two very diverse places, um, very accepting. I went to a performing arts high school, <laughs> so that was a pretty good experience. I, I don't really have much to complain about when it comes to my high school experience. And I studied theater in high school as well as in college. So it was really great to spend time with like-minded people as I grew up. And as far as influences go, I think when I was just a teenager coming into college, I was just mostly concerned about art and why I was doing it. Looking back, I think I might have been a little pretentious, but I was definitely... <laughs> enraptured by like the world of art and of theater in particular and the history and the literature of theater. So it was really great to be able to immerse myself in that. But growing up in San Francisco and New York and, and you know, being Asian American and being in the arts, mm. uh, what kind of representation did you have or didn't have? Because when I was growing up, I had almost Nothing. no one, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. So what kind of representation did you have being Asian American, um, either that you saw on screen or even just around you? It's really funny because a lot of the conversations I feel like I'm having nowadays with a lot of my Asian Asian American friends, particularly in this climate that we have right now in terms of representation, a lot of them say like, and they come to realize that I wish I had more people who looked like me growing up on screen. And then it, that led me to think back to how I felt when I was of that age. And oddly enough, I didn't really think about what I looked like, that I was Asian. I'm not going to say like, oh, I didn't know I was Asian because I, I knew I was Asian. Well, but right, right. I had my home life, my school life, and that was my world. And I didn't really think about, like when I was like 16, 17, think about like, oh, how am I going to make it in this industry? I just thought about 
theater is really fun. I love it. And it makes me feel really happy. And so that's all I focused on. And then when I came into college is when I started getting into the politics of it all and realizing that, oh, people really don't respect Asian people <laughs> in um certain ways when it comes to representation because I can name one or two incidents that happened during college that was whitewashing and that Asian students within the theater program were very riled up for um, this so was that during was, the art school at that time no this was during college this is during, yeah, college. during college okay um when you already I, kind of sensed the mm-hmm. lack of representation at that particular point when I started college yes, yes okay. because when I was in high school I feel like it was very sheltered in a in a good way, you know, because it was very, um, we were very close, like all of my classmates, and we just focused on doing the art and not really thinking practically about sure, how it sure. might manifest. So in this the real was sort world. of your first introduction where you felt a little yeah, bit underrepresented. Where reality really, yeah, hit. Because I didn't, I didn't, it's, it's funny because my mom was the one who encouraged me to audition for the high school, the performing arts high school, and who saw that I love to perform and just encouraged that. So that's all I thought about in high school. I wasn't very practical. I was just like, well, this seems like something that I'm good at, that I love to do. Why not give it more depth of study? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's go to New York. But when you were growing up, like even let's go like in high school, you said you and your classmates were very close. Mm -hmm. Did you have like a lot of other Asian classmates or was it predominantly white? Because for me, I was basically the only Asian American in my neighborhood and I grew up in New York. Did you have a lot of Asian friends? Was there a large Asian community? And did Um, you have any representation that you saw on screen? Right, right. Well, in terms of Asian friends and community, I did have a few, like a handful of Asian friends who, there's a big Chinese community in SF. Um, so I didn't feel left out in that sense. And at school, it was really more like, what was your art and do you love it? Then like, okay. what's your ethnicity? Um, and when it comes to representation on screen, I really can't think of a single person except for maybe Lucy Liu. Sure. And she's fabulous. But she is, yeah. She's, you know, sort of it. And the shows that I watched, I mostly Disney Channel. I just I didn't I didn't think about like oh this person, uh, there's no people that look like me on this show. I just thought oh what a good show. It was just it not not like present in my mind when Got I was it. in high well, school. Well, you were still very young at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So when you first became more aware and sensitive to the lack of representation for Asian Americans. How did it land on you and how did it affect you personally and professionally? Well, the thing is, like in in college, I participated in a lot of like conferences about diversity and representation on Broadway stages, specifically on like Broadway stages, not off Broadway. But there was a coalition called the Asian Pacific I think Asian, it's called APAC, and it's like a, a group of Asian American, like actors, producers, writers in New York who take it upon themselves to collect data and show, okay, this is the percentage of Asian people, black people, Latino right. people on stage versus the percentage of whites. And like the pie chart was like right. 90% white. So I was involved with them. I think from my sophomore year of college on and I think from my involvement with them I began learning more and more about how like intrinsically you can't like extract politics from from theater and vice versa and and that's when it really came to light for me that oh this is this is a real problem I never realized that I 
when you grow up thinking like, oh, white is the default, you're just like, oh, this is the normal, you know? And so you automatically, I think, equate white with normal. Right, right. And I just, that's, I think I remember that was when it like came on for me. I was like, oh, this is, this is a problem. When you became aware that this was an issue being underrepresented, you know, when I told my family that I wanted to get into entertainment and the arts, there was a concern. It's a very difficult and fickle business. It can be. And especially for a minority, quote unquote, it can be even more challenging. Mm -hmm. So were there any sort of encouraging words or values that your family instilled that helped you push through and continue despite how challenging it can be I think just it's typical like immigrant values I think my my parents work very hard and they always instill the sense of of like determination and focus and just keep your nose to the grindstone sort of attitude and mind your own business type of a thing and just like stay humble and focus on what you love to do try not to compare yourself to others which all have been very helpful in my journey so far yeah I'm very grateful for them for laying the foundation as far as immigrants go, they grew up in Indonesia. I was actually born in Indonesia and we immigrated here when I was four. And that was their decision to like pretty much uproot their entire lives and move across the world where they don't know anybody. Yeah, literally. Typical, typical. And I think it's just, it's just something that's just been instilled in me and my brother from a very young age. So I take it to pretty much everything and awesome you know all so, the projects that I do how about some other positive influences that you might have had growing up and even now in terms of uh, like Asian representatives yeah. or just like or in, in general I think the people my role models in my life thus far have been mostly female and of color and I really looked up to acting wise Viola Davis throughout my entire college career and to this day like I will always stand her as the kids say <laughs> because I think she's an incredible actress and outspoken like activist for representation and just for women's rights and whatnot and I remember when I was in college Constance Wu was also very outspoken yeah, is is very outspoken but especially then not many people were and she used her platform I think really well to give an authentic voice to what she really felt. So I followed her a lot. Um, and then so many leaders in the community here in New York for theater, uh, I know that Pun Bandu and like a lot of people headed the coalition who, you know, collected the stats for Broadway shows, as well as like B.D. Wong, who came to a conference about this. And I remember he gave a speech about why representation really matters. And he said something, he was like, I, people don't understand, you know, the usual rhetoric. He was like, I would love the opportunity to play a white person. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And everybody just like erupted into laughter. And I've, I've never really forgotten that moment. I really also enjoyed reading. There's this writer. Her name is Deep Tron. She writes for American theater. And I like just kind of devoured her articles throughout college because she writes very cohesively about why representation is so important and why appropriation is so offensive to people who are just, you know, flippant about it and thinking that, oh, this is just, why are you so angry about it? It's just frivolous. There's other things in the world to be angry about. And she was like, well, take your hands off my kimono to hear white people or something like that in an article. <laughs> right. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Lucy Liu was your example of Asian representation at that yeah. particular point. Yeah. And now there's Constance Wu and there's Crazy Rich Asians. Obviously, it was a huge hit. Aquafina, you are in. Well, well, the thing is, like, it's always been there, though. And I feel and I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to so many other Asian, Asian-American people and artists about this is uh, there's the common thread between all of us. I feel like I know growing up, if I saw like an Asian person on TV or on a billboard, even on like a stock or something, you know, whatever, any like sliver of representation, I'm like, who is this person I need to know? Right. And I can only really come up with like Lucy Liu and maybe Brenda Song and Sweet Life, you know, for Disney Channel. Um, But a lot of my Asian friends, I feel and I like I've like been a fan of Aquafina since Yellow Ranger yeah, since I was yeah. in college and I was like who is this like Chinese rapper rapping about you know right. her she like this fresh face <laughs> yeah 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 like, exactly energetic because you're so hungry for that you're like yeah. who is this person and and thank god you know so they've always been there it's only it's only like when the tide turns it's not that they came out of nowhere it's like they have always been there and now you're just only paying attention for me it seems like there has been more Asians on screen now, mm-hmm. but for you, do you see us moving forward in the right direction in terms of Asian American representation? Yeah, I really, I really do believe that. It started to happen, I think, 2015, 2016, right as I graduated from college. Netflix did an open call for this new show that they were doing, so I submitted through an open call. And they really, I think, focused on finding the best actors for the part, which led to the diverse cast that you see on 13 Reasons, and I think that's why it's so... A big reason why it's special and and why it resonates with so many people because that many more people can see themselves in it, among other reasons. But I definitely do see the shift. Um, it started with that. I'm not saying it started with 13 
interesting reason. I'm, I'm yeah. saying I, I started to see it like in 2016. And then Crazy Rich Asians, it's going to be a marker now, I think, in like our certain history. Like, oh, this is when things started to like creak open a little bit more. And you, it's evident, like you can see it since then. There's been so many other um, projects that star Asian people that aren't necessarily written by a white hand. You talked about Crazy Rich Asians and Lucy Liu being the example for you and Constance Wu when you were growing up. Obviously, you being on a hugely popular show on Netflix and your character, Courtney, is a lesbian yes, she's Asian, lesbian. right? Yes. Okay. That is um, a double minority. Yes. What was that like for you to come out of school? You talked about lack of Asian representation mm -hmm. in school, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you came out of school and you landed <laughs> this role that checked almost every box. It, it really was like the best first role well, I think any actor, new actor, could ask for, and I'm def I was definitely spoiled. There were great directors and writers, and I think an overall team that helped us actors, you know, really find our characters and whatnot. And the role in the books weren't originally written as, you know, like a gay Asian character, but the writers of the show felt like they needed to have a reason for Courtney to act out in the way that she does. Right. And found a way to, I guess, address issues of representation and also sexual orientation yeah. at the same time. And I think that's really clever. They came up with this backstory, like perhaps she's acting that way because she's scared of who she truly is and she doesn't want to upset yeah. her gay dads. But it's definitely complex because I at first was con was confused. I was like, well, if she has two gay dads, then why is she? But then I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. I wouldn't want my kid to have to face all of the prejudices and pressures. Right. If I knew what it was like, there's no way. Can you share with us one example, uh, maybe a fan said something to you or an experience where you realized that your role on this show has really impacted someone's real life in in the most positive way. The comments that really affect me when I hear them is when people come up to me, I guess especially when Asian girls come up to me and say like, I feel seen and I feel heard and, and, and present and valid in this world. It makes sense in like a deeply psychological way that I don't think I've mined fully yet. That's, I think, one of my most I guess that hits me the hardest, that that kind of comment. And then some other people have come up and said, you know, I have, I, I have a friend who I suppose is struggling with his or her uh, sexual identity and, and watching the show and your character's progress really helped and um, something of that variant. And that really, yeah, that really hits me. <laughs> I, I do think that I was some kind of speechless because... Because it had to hit me too. Right, like, that's what when, I meant how it hit you personally because exactly, you realize like, a role has transcended a screen. Yeah. What you do, you bringing this character to life yeah. has really impacted a young adult. Right, but yes, definitely. And I and I am so grateful for that and I'm so happy that that has happened and the show has been such a guiding light for a lot of people. When I was working on it though, I, was, I wasn't thinking about that I was right, thinking about right. serving the character in the story and then when it came out and it's so strange to say this but I think my castmates and I knew how special this project was and how Absolutely. much it meant to each of us and we were all proud of it but I I don't know if anyone ever really knows that a hit's gonna be a hit right and right. 13 is a hit like it is it is yeah so when when it exploded like virtually overnight, we were I think all just caught off guard a little bit. <laughs> sure, yeah. And it took a bit of adjusting for sure. 
I think we all kind of grew into our roles and realized the uh, responsibility that we had unconsciously taken at first, but then we were like, okay, this is, this is, we, we either can take it or we can shy away from it. And I think a lot of us has really stepped up to the plate. Absolutely. And I'm really proud of my um, castmates for doing so. Speaking of stepping up to the plate, Nancy, <laughs> you have certainly been a outspoken advocate for Asian Americans. Mm. Can you talk about how you're using your platform to embrace this responsibility? I had a conversation with myself before I graduated from college. I was like, okay, say, Michelle, you have a BA in theater. This was before, <laughs> okay. this is before I, 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 I got the part. I was like, what are you going to do with it? How am I going to contribute to changing the world? Because I feel like being in art school, in, in high school and in college, a lot of my colleagues and classmates were, were very, you know, like aspirational, like, oh, I, the, all the, all the good intentions like I want to change the world I want to change the world I'm like that's great but I'm like well how do we get more specific how are you going to change the world well I can't cure cancer I don't have like certain skill sets to do certain things that other people are doing like in politics or medicine whatever and I feel like in this industry I was like perhaps I can work on that by ensuring that people realize how important representation is and diversity is within American media and I suppose literature and just basically making representation my, my um, I guess, purpose or path or mission in life as one human, as one person. Like, if you want to change the world, you got to find, like, a really good skill set that you have and, like, find one piece of the world that you can actively work on. Yeah, and in absolutely. that sense, you're changing the world or you're going to change the world. I mean, you so. definitely are pushing the conversation forward and that awareness forward by using social media. You're posting all the time. That's the fun thing to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I... I Mm. So people communicate. Exactly. That's like one of the biggest strengths of social media. And it's why I haven't extracted myself fully from <laughs> Instagram or to otherwise I would just be like, I can't do this anymore. I'm serious. Like social media is a double edged sword, right? Like, um, yeah, it's some people like I sometimes I feel very overwhelmed by it. But sure. for the most part, it's a really great tool for connection and for speaking your thoughts and getting your voice out in the world. What kind of steps forward do you see us needing to continue to make to further that need for representation, understanding and inclusion? I think we just need to focus on like supporting each other and and really, I suppose, if this, you know, if one should wish, like really um, searching out like young Asian American writers and just creators and lifting each other up and supporting each It's as simple as that. Just like making sure that we ride the momentum of this and that we bring others along for the ride. I find great pleasure in, in looking up like emerging young Asian American writers, whether that they be like screenwriters, poets, novelists, whatever, and just devouring their work. And if I can, like meeting up with them, um, to support and of course but also just like as a heart-to-heart connection because i love literature and i love reading and writing sure. and so i what are some of the reading. authors that you see up and coming some of the people that you love ocean vuong has um a book out that i love it's called on earth we're briefly gorgeous and it's a really beautiful book and i think he's such a talented like poet just writer in person and there's this book called the incendiaries by aro kwan it's just very it's astonishing and thrilling and unlike anything i've ever read before so i'm just so excited <laughs> Excited that works like these are becoming more and more uplifted and recognized by everyone in the right. industry, not just within the Asian Asian American community. There's so much I could spend like five minutes listing.
roasting everybody. Right. But I won't do that. <laughs> what do you celebrate with the Asian American heritage, your family being immigrants? What do you celebrate? I'm Chinese and I come from a Chinese family, who, or a lot of them who grew up in Indonesia. And I'm also American. And I think within my specific culture and family, resilience is a trait that I really admire in a lot of my family members and, and one that I hope to emulate throughout my life and just uh, strength and this idea of um, impermanence. We talk about that a lot in, in my family or so. It's like, so we're not on this earth for that long of a time. How are you going to spend your time doing the best that you can for your family, but also for others, you know, beyond you? And then after you're gone, is it going to be a better place than when you enter? Like, that's the big idea that I think we talk a lot about in my family. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I think it's definitely worthy to think about, you yeah, know, for any person to keep like in their heads as they continue on the journey. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. How does it feel to know that you are involved in furthering this awareness? You, Michelle, are part of this movement. Yeah. What's that feel like for you? Well, I feel I feel very honored and I feel like there is a responsibility. And I know that I have to be careful in a lot of ways and really think before I speak. But I feel like I've been trained to do that since I was young. So yeah. I, I just feel very like empowered and, and ready to help in whatever way I can, not just for Asian but like for all POCs in the arts as well, um, to be allies for all POCs and can only speak to my experience specifically of being an Asian American artist, Chinese right. American right. person. For all women, Asian Americans yeah. that are fighting to be heard and fighting to be seen, what would your message to those people be? If you have the luxury and if you have... Um, the luck to be able to choose your path in life, like to be able to have a passion and, and make the choice to pursue that. First of all, that's already like a very courageous act to be like, yes, this is what I'm going to do despite all obstacles. And I think after that decision, it's just a matter of knowing that you made a really well-informed decision and just going after it, like teeth bared and, and just trusting that everything's going to fall into place and, and knowing that there are people there to support you. I, I think it's just having the confidence to ask and to work hard. It's as simple as that. What are you up to, Michelle, <laughs> these days besides saving the world and fighting for equality fighting for and representation? representation. Um, where can fans keep up with you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. At On Twitter, I'm at Michelle Celine. And Instagram, it's at Michelle Celine Ong. I'm working on a few other creative projects. I'm currently writing or working on a feature, as well as just talking to every Asian writer that I can and just keeping track of that and getting more into like the writing, producing side of things as well. So, Michelle, before we let you go, we're trying to do a signature sign-off. Um, if you can let us know who you are and what you represent. Hi, I'm Michelle Celine Ong, and I represent equality, representation, and radical honesty. Thanks so much to my guest, Michelle Celine Ong, for hanging out with us. To my crew, my technical director and musical composer, Nelson Panero, for his work and care. To Gracie Kong for her unwavering cuteness, love, and support. Next time on Reppin, we have a great actor coming by, John Huertas. He played Sergeant Antonio Espera in HBO's Generation Kill. He was also Detective Javier Esposito from the long-running and very popular series, Castle. And right now, he is Miguel Rivas on NBC's enormous hit, This Is Us. So come by, check us out. Reppin is a Suburban Outlaw Productions. Till next time, stand up and represent.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.